I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, I'm Craig and welcome to another episode of Football Kit Memories, the football podcast that gets under the shirt. In today's episode, I'm joined by staff writer at The Athletic and editor of the Totally Football Show yearbook, Nick Miller. During our chat, I find out how Nick got started in football writing, his life working at The Athletic, as well as a bit more about his involvement in two of the UK's biggest sports podcasts, Football Clichés with Adam Hurry and, of course, The Totally Football Show. Later, and as always, I ask Nick to pick out three of his favourite football shirts and tell me a little bit more about what they mean to him. Remember, you can listen to this and other episodes of Football Kit Memories on all major audio platforms, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Please do like, follow, share, but above all, please do enjoy the podcast. Okay, so today on the podcast, I'm delighted to say I'm joined by staff writer at The Athletic and editor of the Totally Football Yearbook, it's Nick Miller. How you doing, mate? Not bad. How are you? Very well. Thank you, Nick. I'm really, really glad you've been able to make time to chat today. I'm really looking forward to our conversation. Cool. As, uh, as am I. Any opportunity to discuss kind of arcane football trivia and kits is a, um, uh, an opportunity not to be turned down. <laughs> exactly. So, so Nick, um, as I mentioned in the intro there, um, you're a staff writer at the Athletic, but I, I wanted to kind of start off and ask you how you got involved in football in the first place. Um, well, I did... In, in terms of getting involved with, uh, well, in terms of getting involved with football in uh, 1989, I was uh, given the choice by my father of going to the uh, circus or going to see Nottingham Forest play Wimbledon in a very bleak okay. game uh, on a misty November afternoon. And uh, I chose Wimbledon, the wow. Forest Wimbledon game, which Forest lost 1 0 and I was hooked for life. In terms of getting involved professionally, I, I kind of did a um uh, I, I was sort of it was all very childish really uh when i was little i decided i wanted to be a, a commentator and um someone told me that commentators were journalists and right. so i thought okay great i'll be a football journalist then and um through a series of kind of pieces of luck um and being in the right place at the right time i got a job uh, uh, as a staff writer for football 365 and stayed there for seven years i think um then was freelance for a bit for the guardian espn and pretty much anyone else who pay me and again through another series of 
events partly in my control, partly have not. I'm now uh, working for the Athletic. Wow. Okay. Whistle stop tour. So the circus is lost. Is football writing's gain, right? Well, who knows? I mean, what what could have been? I could have been a, a fantastic, like I don't know, trapeze artist, or you know, lion tamer, or maybe one of those. Maybe like a, I could have impersonated like a dancing bear or something. I don't know. Nice, nice. And you've avoided clown as well, which is good, right? Oh God, yeah. No one wants to be the clown. So. <laughs> nice. So I, I wanted to ask you about the athletic itself. I always have this like vision in my mind of some like draconian skyscraper full of all the football journalists in the world just tapping away at typewriters is it actually a place where you will go to work together yeah it's exactly like that as well there's a, <laughs> sort of, a series of kind of cruel masters uh, strolling the uh, the aisles with whips and making us you know write three thousand word features on something that's good <laughs> now um I mean, the, 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 there is a, a, a physical space where um, where people go. There's an office in central London. Yeah. But because so many of the correspondents are kind of obviously the, the club correspondents for the various clubs live not close to those clubs. So, I, you know, a relatively small proportion of the actual writers are, are in the office because they're kind of scattered all around the country and beyond. In, right. in, in, um, and then there's obviously the... Uh, American side as well, where and I believe their writers are kind of scattered all over America as well. So um, yes, it's very nice, very kind of shiny office on the Strand in central London with very nice parquet flooring and um, nice. po- podcast studios are being built there, and wow. it's a it's a giant kind of media hub. It's very plush. Very nice. I mean, it's such a seismic change in the, the football writing landscape as well, wasn't it? So many kind of journalists were. I guess drawn into it really and it's only quite a recent thing as well isn't it yeah relatively recent um yeah two two and a bit years old i think the the english or the, the uk version is yeah. um and yeah i mean it's kind of it, it has changed things quite significantly uh, for for people that aren't aware that the athletic kind of um, uh, was an American is an, is an American uh, company and they expanded into the UK in the summer of 2019 um, uh, hired a, 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 a quite a large number of, sort of the, the most high profile and best journalists from um, football journalists anyway, from around the around the country and um, kind of set up this incredible kind of network of correspondence about pretty much everything you could hope for in the in uk and european football um yeah and yeah i i think it's sort of it has influenced um people outside the athletic as well i think i'm not going to be so kind of arrogant and grand as to say it sort of raised the standard of football writing everywhere but you can certainly see the um the the kind of influence and the, the way it's changed the way some people uh uh, have written and have, have covered the game and you know there are some elements of it that is very easy for people to mock and I completely, yeah, yeah. completely understand that kind of thing but um, I don't think anyone could really kind of deny the impact that it's had on um, football media and uh, more specifically football writing and yeah. I mean the other thing the, the, the writing is what people will know it for and possibly what people mostly subscribe for but we've, we've there's a, a, a pretty large um, podcast network uh, included uh, within the company as well with um, I mean the, the podcast for 
some of the kind of bigger clubs in the UK and there's like the football show and football cliches and the um, athletic women's football podcast, which is kind of kind of spun off from the offside rule. Um, yeah. And uh, there's the, Michael Cox has got a tactics podcast. So there's, there's kind of, there's, there's loads of stuff every kind of podcast need catered for in there as well. Yeah. I, you know, I've spoken with um, the TIFO guys as well in the past, just the, the acquisition model is quite interesting as well, isn't it? It's going out there and seeking out the best content and bringing it all under the athletic umbrella, which is quite interesting. Yeah, and the, the, the one one of the things that they've tried to um, and are getting better better at all the time is kind of integrating between the two, or between all those the the different, various different departments. Um, like, I mean, for example, um, Adam Crafton wrote a piece uh, a couple of weeks ago about. Um, LGBTQ people in Saudi Arabia, obviously, with reference to the Newcastle takeover. Yeah. Brilliant piece. He's spoken to spoken to some people um, in Saudi Arabia who obviously very bravely spoke up um, yeah. about the conditions that they live under. And uh, just this week, uh, TIFO have sort of turned it into a one of their kind of YouTube uh, YouTube films with kind of animation done by their their team of animators and um proper voiceover and uh, yeah i mean it's just in, in, incredible stuff that they, they do there yeah i can't believe i can't believe i forgot to mention tifo myself like they'll be on at me <laughs> well like we say there's so many to remember it's uh yeah you know it, it's something that is like you say changed completely the football landscape in the country i wanted mm. to ask you what kind of articles do you write there? Is it feature stuff you're doing or is it new stuff? Yeah, so I, I kind of have a sort of roving role, bit of a kind of minister without portfolio role, um, doing, I, I will kind of fill in for club correspondents when they're away. Um, just done that for our Nottingham Forest correspondent, which is very handy because I'm a Nottingham Forest fan, obviously. Nice. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I've written pieces from... You know, I, I did the, the uh, some crucial um, kit content uh, from in the the Euros and both the, in the Premier League, and I've written I wrote a piece about uh, FC Sheriff Tiraspol with the Champions League upstarts before they um, right, before right. they uh, played their thing. So it's a kind of wide ranging gig that uh, you know uh, that. Uh, I, you know, I really enjoy because I just enjoy the variety, and I don't, I would m- much prefer to do this kind of thing rather than be kind of um, have a sort of narrow focus on a on a single club or, or something yeah. like that. Um, so yeah, I'm w- working on a piece about Roberto Martinez at the moment and um, nice. the um, Afghanistan team, which uh, and they're, they're, who are playing there their first game since the the Taliban return, the uh, Afghanistan men's team, sorry, right. um, playing their first game since the uh, Taliban took over in a, in, a, in a couple of weeks. They're playing a friendly against Indonesia. So okay. you know, I've interviewed the, 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 their manager for a piece about that. So it's kind of a, a, a mad range of, of things that just kind of keeps me interested, really. Mate, that sounds really interesting. As you say, such a wide range. You must it keeps you on your toes. It must keep you kind of your knowledge base kind of spread far and wide. I guess. Yeah, absolutely. And it's kind of, um, it, it, I'm I'm sort of less interested in the, or I'm I should rather say, um, I'm not I'm less interested in writing because I'm not particularly good at it. 
uh, of having kind of you know informed opinions about the specific uh, bits and nuts and bolts of football of the day like uh, you right. know I, I can't I'm not very good at t- telling you how a specific game was won what right. tactics were used and kind of spotting patterns in the game all that kind of thing so um that is all sort of uh, covered by people like Michael Cox and the individual club correspondents that we have leaving me free to do sort of strange things like speak you know interview the uh, men's Afghanistan uh, <laughs> manager that kind of thing so right. yeah and, and it, it is just sort of it's it is the kind of um it is the, the kind of thing that you wouldn't necessarily see in many other mainstream um places anyway um yeah. and we're kind of very lucky in in as much as we're given the time and the sort of scope to to write all these things yeah you've got the space to kind of explore all the different aspects of football that people are interested in which i like mm. I, you mentioned very briefly there the football shirts article that you wrote in the summer you wrote a few of them didn't you um one that really kind of I enjoyed was the article that you wrote kind of on some of the most kind of uh, like key kind of collector's kits and things like that. You spoke to quite a few different people like Ellis James, Dan Sanderson I've had on before from Mundial, um, the, the guy from Adidas as well. What was it like putting that article together and is that something that you're passionate about? Yeah, it's it's really interesting. I've, uh, I'm, I wouldn't, I'm not really a much of a, a collector of football shirts, more of a, an admirer of the aesthetics of it from okay. uh, from a, a kind of step removed in in that respect anyway and uh, as we'll i think we'll go on to discuss later on so so much of my sort of formative years watching football was kind of tied up in the aesthetics of it um, right. and that's kind of partly stadium partly tv coverage but a huge part of that is the kits and i wanted to write that piece as a sort of kind of explainer or um if you want to if i want to be really pretentious about this an exploration (laughs) or of um why we love football kits so much and why they're such a a you know a colossal worldwide industry not just in um in terms of the the you know the current kits that you know Manchester united kit that come the new kit that comes out every year but the obviously the the retro kit market as well which companies like classic football shirts are this now these kind of enormous behemoth companies yeah um that have that have kind of risen up from what was essentially a sort of fairly niche dare i say it nerdy um kind of group of people now this kind of colossal thing so that was the idea for that piece and to a to to a point there, there was another piece about um England kits during the the European Championships. Yeah, um, it was all sort of. It's all about the sort of ephemera of the game and um, the things are around the edges of it that I find really interesting. Just the way that this this game, which could uh, exist on its own, has sort of spawned all these different kind of subsections and subcultures, even. Yeah. Um, which I just I just found really interesting, and the idea of those pieces was to kind of look at that a little bit. I love it, mate. Yeah, it's all about the theatre for me too. Um, yeah. So, so let me, I wanted to ask you um, a bit more about the podcast that, that you're involved with as well. So, you mentioned briefly the the Football Clichés podcast hosted by Adam Hurry. You, you're on that most weeks, right? 
Uh, yeah, I was. Uh, we recorded. Um, well, we, we we are recording this podcast on Wednesday, the third of November. Yeah, uh, and I recorded a, an episode of Football Clichés earlier on today. Um, and yeah, it's um, just usually just me and Adam and um, one or two others discussing the language of football and the um, just the way we consume football and this kind of weird little quirks that go along with it, um, yeah. which is uh, great fun and kind of say, allows me to contribute to the company without have, having to formulate any serious opinions about current football, which is <laughs> a, a real bonus. <laughs> I wanted to ask you as well, does that does that affect the way you might watch a game? Are you looking for these cliche things to be said or to happen and thinking about content? And does that sometimes distract you from what is actually happening in terms of the scoreline and things like that? I guess so, but it's not, that's, it, it, this is, I mean, this is kind of story of my career as it is that like, I, I have a friend who will um, quite frequently send me football trivia questions um, as he tries to stump me and he, he frequently does, but yeah. whenever I get one that he thinks, whenever I answer one correctly, that he thinks is really going to stump me, he's he's absolutely furious. And <laughs> I could just, could justify it because this is my job, but the reality is that I would know all this stuff anyway. Right. Um, as a lot of, as a lot of people who aren't, this isn't their job, uh, you know, would, would do it as well. And yeah. it's a similar kind of thing with the stuff I notice for football cliches. I would be kind of spotting, I, I, I would much more readily spot um, Gary Neville saying something in a weird voice Um <laughs> during the commentary rather than a tactical trend in the game yeah. so it, it's not it it, it is it, it has affected the way I watch football in as much as um rather than just kind of laughing about it or tweeting about it I might text Adam about it yeah uh, about some of the kind of strange things I watch but yeah it, it's it was always the sort of way I watch football anyway more yeah. kind of interested in this sort of weird ephemera to do with it rather than the um the sort of intricacies of how a game was won tactically or something like that, which is, I, and I should sort of clarify that I, I do find, also find the intricacies and, and so on very interesting, just when yeah. it's explained to me by someone who knows a bit more about it than I do. Yeah, is that well, the TIFO guys do that so well, don't they? They uh, put it in layman's terms, which is definitely good for me. Um, I guess like Twitter has changed that kind of aspect as well, isn't it? When you notice something in the football, it's immediately amplified on Twitter as well, isn't it? And I, I love that about Twitter, the way it kind of, it just makes watching football much better, in my opinion. Yeah, and uh, the, 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 you will, the, there will obviously be things that you wouldn't necessarily have spotted. So the, yeah. the, most, the most obvious example in football cliches uh, related is when Adam spotted the, the Frank Lampard um, interview style. Where he will that that. I think. Well, he was the he, he's the, the 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 person that um uh that I noticed sort of pointing out for the first time anyway. Right. For, for for those for those people who aren't quite so kind of up on the weird int uh, um, uh, intricacies of uh kind of football nonsense, <laughs> Lampard will he will kind of make a uh when he's answering a question he was usually make a serious ser serious point jokey point and then say something like no but seriously uh, it was a terrible <laughs> result and uh, you know um and once it's one of those things that once you've spotted it or once you've had it pointed out to you you cannot unsee it and you can't it will now 
either well either ruin or enhance the way you watch football forever yeah and it's the, yeah those kind of things are, are are brilliant on twitter yeah um just for the uh, it, it, it's always that, that classic thing of something will um be, be funny and then it will be repeated so often that it's not funny anymore and then eventually it'll come around to being funny again and yeah um, all the sort of memes and various other things that pop up on on Twitter during games are um, yeah, enjoyable yeah. along those lines. Circle of life, mate. I love it. You're also involved in the Totally Football Show um, Athletic as well. Um, what do you do there, mate? Yeah, so I uh, a few things really. I um, I suppose my most tangible contribution to that is I edited the Totally Football Yearbook, which came out right. uh, earlier on this year, and is a very handy Christmas present for um the, that relative that you know that likes football but you're not quite sh- you don't really know them that well so you know nice. it's, it's that kind of present all good bookshops um <laughs> and uh, i sort of all i started out there doing the uh a totally football website which is kind of um has been scaled back quite a lot since we joined the athletic about 18 months ago um and i'm also involved in the sort of production planning uh, of the podcasts there are you know three tightly football shows a week so we have a couple of meetings um to discuss what we're going to talk about who we're going to talk about it with yeah. and uh, how we're going to talk about what sort of strange little odd things that we can point out which um you know uh, if you put james richardson in in a room with a couple of other people and a microphone, he would produce a very good podcast anyway. But <laughs> we like to kind of make sure, try and make sure that we've got kind of most things, most things covered. So there's me and a couple of other guys and James all kind of meet a couple of times a week to discuss what what is going to um, be discussed on the podcast. Yeah, well, mate, the hard work pays off there because they're two of the most kind of subscribed and listened to football podcasts out there, aren't they? And both just um, nominated for the uh, Football Supporters Association um, uh, awards under the obviously under the best podcast category. I'm not. It's, I mean, it, is is it a coincidence that the t- two athletic podcasts which I'm most closely involved in have both been nominated? I mean, it's not. It's really not for me to say, is it? <laughs> well, best of luck with that, mate. I sure look forward <laughs> to hearing the results. Coming up after the break, Nick shares his football kit memories. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is 
is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Um, so, so Nick, should we, should we talk about some football shirts then? We'll go through your uh, football kit memories. Um, we kind of touched on this a bit earlier, but what I do ask everybody in the podcast is what do football shirts mean to you? I mean, yeah, as I said earlier on, I'm not, a, I'm not, I have a few, I'm not a huge kind of collector and I certainly not the kind of person who pays a huge amount of money for, um, you know, obscure shirts from the, the, the 1980s. And I, I also don't have, um, don't have the scruples that some people have about, um, uh, how do I put this unofficial uh, versions of, okay. of old kits that from, you know, ropey websites in strange countries yeah um but uh, as i said earlier it's, it's it's kind of the aesthetics of the game that um particularly when i was i was younger um and more so now with a kind of small select group of people it's just part of the the, the sort of the little things about about the game um and the the way that we consume it in a sort of maybe in a slightly different way that these kits contribute to and mm. um just i just you know things like i i have a friend um with whom i've had genuine like hour-long conversations about the piping on a um a particular manchester city kit in from the late 80s right so they had this 
they had this, I think it was out about 1987, they had this kind of black and red checkerboard number with, okay. I haven't selected it as one of my, my three kits, but it's, it's a really, it's a beautiful kit and it's got this wonderful uh, white perfect piping on, on the, around okay. the sleeves. And that's the sort of thing that I enjoy talking about with football. I kind of, if, if I'm at like, you know, I'm at, if I'm at a wedding or something and uh, I stop, get talking to someone, you know, you meet someone for the first time and I say, oh yeah, I'm a football writer. And they then start talking to me about, um, you know, Manchester United's team and why they bought Cristiano Ronaldo, this kind of thing. My yeah. heart tends to sink. Um, <laughs> Because I just, I just, I watch the games and I enjoy the games, but I find that sort of that element of it quite tedious. Yeah. If someone was to talk about, you know, uh, AC Milan's kit from the, you know, from the year that they won the Champions League in um, under Fabio Capello, now yeah. that I could talk about for hours. Yeah. Um, because I don't know. It's it's I I sort of think of football as more of a uh as a sort of more of a this i was trying to think of a, a less sort of pretentious way to put this but it's more of a kind of art and a culture than um a, yeah. a science something that there's a right and a wrong answer to and the way that football has obviously expanded over the last god knows however long to form such a kind of incredible incredibly huge part of um broader culture the, the it's a, it's kind of undeniable that the the kits and the aesthetics of the game have um had something to do with that yeah so yeah that's that's why uh i am kind of particularly fascinated and yeah as i said it, it, the uh, earlier the aesthetics of the game and is one of the key things i remember from when i first started getting into football because at that point you don't when you're sort of seven years old and going to a game, you don't know or care about the intricacies of four three three formation over you know four two three one or whatever. What you care about is this kind of very exciting thing with a huge loud crowd and um, and the what the whole thing look and look and feels like. Um, and obviously, yeah. kits are a huge part of that. Yeah, sights, sounds, smells, everything, all the, all that stuff yeah. is what you remember, isn't it? Yeah. So- so let's kick off with your first shirt choice. This is the Cameroon home shirt worn at Italian 90 by Adidas. How come you've chosen this one? Well, I mean, it's a, I mean, everyone's favorite World Cup is probably the first World Cup that I remember. Yeah. And um, the 1990 World Cup, I was, it would only have been six or seven at the time, but I vividly remember huge parts of that World Cup. And, I mean, obviously part of that was to do with England and um, being a Forest fan, but a lot of that was to do with Stuart Pearce missing a penalty in the, the right. semi-final. But I remember things like, you know, Carlos Valderrama um, or, you know, Scotland against Costa Rica for some reason as much as I remember uh, England's games and... Um, and one of one of the things that I kind of was so vividly or, or was so kind of enthused and taken with at the time was was Cameroon and the, the, yeah. the, the kind of brilliant team that they had when they beat Argentina in the first game. I I, I didn't really I had a sort of vague concept that this was a, a an underdog beating 
um, one of the tournament favourites, but I never, I didn't really have the, I the sort of certainly the socio-political context to do with um, Argentina and wh- how that related to um, to us in England. Yeah. Um, I just saw this very cool team beating. Um, I, I, I didn't even, I wasn't even sort of hugely aware of who Diego Maradona was. I just, yeah. uh, you know, I was told that this was a, a, a big team that was getting beaten, but I was, uh, they were beaten by what looked to me like an incredibly cool team in an incredibly cool shirt, which um, this may, this will sort of become a theme with a couple of these that uh, I've chosen. It's uh, also one that I have not been able to track down myself for, you know, for any kind of sensible price that wouldn't, um, that would, if if I paid it, would sort of, uh, inspire a, a powerful bout of self-loathing that I've spent the, the <laughs> amount of money, that amount of money on a football shirt. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's just, a, I don't know. It's, it's a, and it, and it all, it all, again, the aesthetics of, of Italian 90 were so strong from yeah. the, from Chow, the, the mascot to a, a, a lot of the kits were, were incredibly cool. The Argentina kit was very cool. Yeah. West Germany kit was obviously, kind of incredibly iconic kit that they won in the one in um it was the first and i think only england shirt i've ever uh, owned as well oh, right. um and yeah that that cameroon one just the, the you know the colors and the design the fact that it was sort of it's sort of a template in as much as i think yugoslavia had quite a similar kit yeah and possibly romania as well had a slightly romania were adidas as well right, yeah think. Yeah. Um, they, uh, they, 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 there was a sort of similar design, but it was all, it was kind of slightly, uh, it, it, they had their own kind of stamp on it. They were, you don't, yeah. you don't really get many, many kind of green fo- uh, football shirts. And that was a very sort of cool example. Yeah. The, 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 one of the other things that was not really specific to Cameroon was, I think it was the last World Cup where everyone had squad numbers, but they didn't have the names on the back of the backs of the shirts. Oh, yeah, I think I'm right, pretty yeah. sure I'm pretty sure I remember that right. And for some reason, that's I, I found that very cool as well. Um, I don't really know why. And then the the, the final thing is that um, I was a uh, a kid called uh, with a surname Miller at school, and Roger Miller was this kind of. You know, even even those of us who didn't really know about his um, his background and yeah. you know a huge amount about who this guy was, we would. It was just incredibly exciting to see this guy who was clearly what what, what was he? He was about thirty eight, I think. Yeah, he was getting um, away, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. In in that tournament, scoring, coming off the bench and scoring these incredible goals, and then obviously the the celebration and. Um, it, it, it was uh, uh, in the playground at school that was obviously a, um, a, a key part of uh, goal celebrations. Goal, ce- goal celebrations and me being called Miller as well. It's, it's just as simple <laughs> as that sometimes. I like him. Iconic World Cup moments. That's definitely up there, isn't it? Yeah. So we're going we're gonna to go a bit more niche now. Your second choice. So this is a Nottingham Forest third shirt. 91 to 93 worn uh made by umbro and it was never worn by the team is that right it was never worn by the team in a competitive game they wore it um they wore it in a i think it was a pre-season friendly Mm -hmm. um 
once and I can't remember who it was against. Um, but it wasn't, it was like, it might have been like Scarborough or something like that. Okay. Um, and it's partly, it's partly this kind of niche, um, kind of unique element of it that I like. It's, it's a, I, I, again, it's a green shirt, which uh, I, I didn't, I didn't sort of deliberately chose that, you know, I must pick, uh, pick two green shirts for this. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it was, um, it, 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 there was, again, there was a sort of element of that early 90s Umbro template design to it. Yeah. Um, but because Forrest kind of had this shirt that was, it was almost, it, it was almost a bit of a myth. I remember seeing the only time I, uh, I've only seen, seen, actually seen this shirt in the flesh twice because I wasn't at the game that, where they were, were in this kind of preseason friendly. Yeah. I saw it. Um, being worn by a guy um, in a little chef on the way down from Nottingham to London for the 1992 League Cup final. Okay. And f- for reasons that I can't really put my finger on, that stuck in my mind incredibly. Yeah. This guy wearing this shirt that I wasn't really sure whether it was actually real or not. And yeah, yeah. it was just kind of a, a, a rumour among fans and this kind of weird shirt that they never actually wore in a game. Yeah. The other time I've seen it in real life was about two or three months ago when I was playing five aside and there was a guy um as as we were finishing our game the guy on the next pitch over um showed up wearing this shirt and I in a very kind of embarrassing uh and uncool way ran over um to this excuse 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 me sir have you where'd you get that shirt from um and it turns out it turned out I think his his mate had bought it it for him for his stag do okay. or something. And now he was just kind of wearing this shirt that I'd been trying to track down for God knows how long. Yeah. And I got, you know, I got, I got gazumped on eBay for it a few weeks before. And I was trying to, <laughs> I thought, oh my God, is this guy, is this, is this the guy that gazumped me for this, uh, this forest shirt? Yeah. Um, it got, it got to, it got to an amount of money where I, uh, on the, I can't remember what, how much it was, but on the um, eBay bidding where I thought, well, I can't really justify paying this amount of money for for a football shirt. I, I will feel horrible and you know, my my fiance will hit the roof. And then <laughs> actually, as it as as it turns out, when I um, when I mentioned this to her a few days later and said how much it actually went for, she said, "Oh right, I was expecting it to be much more than that." Yeah, you should have oh. should have just bought it. Um, oh, but I, I, yeah, I, I would have. The, the, the thing is, I, I would have. Not only would I have um, thought, what what could I have? Uh, what more sort of useful things could I have spent my money on? It would have been so expensive that I would have been terrified to actually wear the thing. So it would have been exactly just entirely pointless. Um, yeah, at five but, as well. What's this guy on? What does this guy do? I know, I know, I know. This kind of this is this is the the, the white whale of uh, of forest <laughs> shirts that I haven't I haven't managed to track down. Or haven't managed certainly haven't managed to track down in a size that will fit me. Yeah. Um, and there he is, this guy just kind of swanning around at Barnes Five Aside uh, in, in in South London. Wow. Just yeah, just awful. Wow. Well, look, mate. Good luck with the hunt on that one. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. If anyone, um, if anyone out there does uh, happen to have one of these uh, shirts in size XL, then uh, drop me a line. Nick Miller seventy nine on Twitter. 
<laughs> so your your final choice is uh, the Barcelona ninety six to ninety seven home shirt by Kappa. This one was worn by Ronaldo famously in his season there. Tell me more why you chosen this one. This is kind of it's partly to do with the aesthetics of it because it it just it just looks like a very cool shirt, mm. um, and it's partly to do with the Brazilian Ronaldo who. Uh, again, the, 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 there are. I imagine for people younger than me, there are a few things more boring than blokes my age talking about how brilliant um, Brazilian Ronaldo was. Yeah, but he he's he is he's like nothing else I've ever seen. There are there have been objectively better players than him since I think. But for those that season he was at Barcelona and probably the first one or two he was at Inter. Mm. I've never, I've never seen anything like him and I don't think I ever will. Yeah. And because I was so young at the time, it was, it was also a sort of real kind of eye opener of a, you know, this, this guy is incredible. This guy is a sort of that, that old, um, whose line was it? Where is it? Jorge Valdano who said he was a, he wasn't a man. He's a herd. Um, <laughs> I haven't heard that before. Which is yeah. a which is a really it's a really good line and it kind of it sums them up. Um but I, and the other thing is that uh, I had a kind of had a version of this kit when I was younger and we we must have been on we went on a family holiday in summer of 96 so he he may not have actually signed for them then. Um and we uh, I tried I persuaded my parents to buy me a Barcelona shirt from Probably again, not not a um an, an official Barcelona shirt. Okay, it was from a, a guy in a shop on the the on a um a side street in Tenerife somewhere. Yeah, and he I, for for some reason that I can only explain um by me being a an insufferable football hipster, even when I was like 12, 13 years old, <laughs> I wanted a shirt with eight Prozanecki on the back. Wow. Okay. Yeah, and the guy. The guy in the shop said, "No, we haven't got any yeah. eight Prozanecki. What we have got is number seven Figo." Now, this was it. This was in the days, kind of before I, I, Sky might have started the, the coverage of of La Liga by this point. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it wasn't the 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 sort of time where people were really up on um, uh, on kind of European footballers who hadn't played at a big tournament. Yeah. Um, so I didn't really know who this Figo guy was. Right. Uh, so I just kind of bought this shirt blind, uh, and as it turns out, he was quite good. Um, so yeah. the guy in the the guy in the shop who is possibly just trying to sell this gullible English family a um, <laughs> a, a football shirt and then get them to piss off, uh, <laughs> actually turns out he was um, he knew what he was talking about. Yeah, mate, I love it. That's fantastic. Well, look, Nick, thanks so much for sharing your football kit memories with me. It's been really, really great to speak to you. Um, people can find you on Twitter on... Uh, NickMiller79. Um, and, yeah, you can see my work on The Athletic uh, and uh, in the Totally Football Yearbook, which is available now. Lovely stocking fill-up. Lovely stuff. Thanks a lot, Nick. Great to have you. No worries. Thank you very much for inviting me. So there you have it. Massive thanks to Nick for sharing his football kit memories with me. Remember, you can follow me, my own collection on Instagram, or get in touch via Twitter or email. Make sure you follow Nick on socials and check out the Totally Football Show yearbook. The music you heard was produced by Eva Led. You can check out his music on his Bandcamp page. 
There's links to absolutely everything I mentioned just there in the notes section. And finally, thanks to you for listening. If you have enjoyed it, please do spread the word. Give me a follow on social and subscribe to Football Kit Memories on your podcast player of choice. Sharing is caring. And other than that, I guess that's it. Until next time, I'll catch you later. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.